Welcome back into the mental game. I'm your host, Brandon Seho, and this week's guest is Xavier head coach Sean Miller, a guy who's been around the game of college basketball for decades now. So this is an amazing conversation with someone who's been at the top of the sport. In this episode, we talked to Coach Miller about his own mental health, his coaching career, what it was like to take a step back and a year away from the game after losing that Arizona job. But now we talk a lot about what it's been like for Coach Miller to come back for this homecoming at Xavier. That and much, much more in this awesome conversation with Xavier head coach Sean Miller. But before we get started, let's kick things off with our mental health tip of the week, powered by One in Five. Self-confidence is a component of mental health that everyone can improve. Conscious choices in our daily lives can lead to great benefits in self-confidence. Positive self-talk, setting goals, celebrating your victories, and recognizing that you are not defined by a single action are all great ways to support your self-confidence. We all have come so far. We are beautifully intricate individuals with unique journeys. Even though we may not be exactly where we want to be, we all deserve to be proud of all that we've done to become who we are. And if you or someone you know needs help finding a therapist or any mental health resources, go ahead and scan the QR code that'll be up this entire episode in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, and it'll take you directly to One in Five's homepage, where their mission is to prevent suicide by stopping the stigma and starting the conversation. Speaking of conversations, now it is time for the latest edition of The Mental Game with Xavier head coach, Sean Miller. What's up, everybody? I am here for another episode of The Mental Game with Xavier men's head basketball coach, Sean Miller. Coach, I appreciate you doing this. My pleasure. Glad to be here. The first thing I ask everyone on this podcast is, what does mental health mean to you? So I'll ask you the same thing. What has mental health meant to you throughout your life, and how have you used that to your advantage? Uh, there's a, I think there's a lot of layers to the, you know, to the question. Uh, I think the one thing that, that you learn, I think with just mental health, mental, the mental part of, of the game that I'm a part of mm -hmm. basketball, just in general is, uh, I think it's exclusive to each individual, you know, how I see it has a lot to do with how I grew up, the experiences that I have gone through, maybe the stage of life that I'm at, mm -hmm. both the negatives, the positives, the setbacks, uh, all that we go through in life. And I think that, you know, when you talk to 10 different people, uh, we could all look at it differently from that perspective. However, maybe the similarity is that uh, I think that the more experiences that you go through, the older that you get, the more you recognize the importance of the mental aspect of everything. And obviously, if, if you just say it as mental health, it's... Uh, it's as important, if not more important, than maybe uh, anything that we do, whether it's with our own family, ourselves, and then certainly with the organization that we're a part of or in charge mm -hmm. of. You're back here at Xavier. This is a special place to you. You were at Arizona prior. You had you know, a really good job there, a really good job here. The last two years, what has that been like for you after you lost that job at Arizona, you come back to Xavier. Just take me through that timeline of how, where your mental was because a lot of people could just fold and not bounce back and want to come back to a place like Xavier when stuff like that happens to somebody. It's adversity. How were you able to power through these last two years? 
Well, um, you know, I would say it's more than two. You know, first of all, you know, I, I think that when you reflect on something that happens, mm -hmm. uh, especially if it's negative, uh, you know, let's let's look at it as an obstacle or adversity. You know, when you now have the opportunity to kind of get through it and reflect back on it, uh, you see things happen much, much earlier than the actual maybe incident or, in my case, my time running out at Arizona. Sure. Uh, and you learn from it, you know, if, if you could go back in time, which you can't, these are some things that I would look at more seriously, mm -hmm. I would do differently, I would be more aware of. So with that, you know, I think now as you have the opportunity to move forward, you have that same mindset of learning from circumstance, learning, seeing it for, for what it is. And, you know, when you read books and oftentimes when you talk to older, wiser people, mm -hmm. they will they will always tell you that, Sometimes your best opportunity to learn or your, the growth that you'll experience as a person happens when uh, you deal with adversity, when you have to get through something or overcome it. And, you know, at Arizona, there's a lot of layers. I loved my time there. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. But my time ran out. And I think that now as it applies to the second part of your question, me returning here to Xavier, you know, I want to return back better, more equipped, more versatile, learning from both the good and the bad that happened in my, in my 12 years at Arizona. Not just the ending, but just looking at it from what it is from start to finish. And I think the more experiences you have, uh, I think the more tools that you have in your toolbox to be better, better as a coach, better as a person and in, in the mental health part of things, maybe better equipped with handling the highs and lows of today's world of sports, which is very public. It, mm -hmm. It's very immediate and uh, it can certainly do you in if you're not ready. I remember when I talked to you at the introductory press conference when you got hired here at Xavier a few months ago, you talked about spending time with your family and your kids and your wife. What was that last year like where you weren't employed and you're kind of having some time, I'm sure, to find more out about yourself, spend time with the family? How did you spend that time? Well, I spent a lot of time with my wife, Amy. Um, you know, my three sons, uh, they're grown. So my oldest son is a lawyer, an attorney in Denver, Colorado. Um, I'm, our middle son last year would have been a graduate assistant at St. Mary's College mm -hmm. on the basketball staff with Randy Bennett. And our youngest son would have been a sophomore in college at Arizona. So uh, did I talk to them more? Yes. Uh, did I feel maybe more connected and more uh, present when I had my conversations with them? I did, but they weren't in the house. Right. You know, the person that was with me, uh, all day, every day was my wife and her and I spent more time together maybe this past year than we had in maybe the previous, I don't know, five, seven years. Sure. Just because of the way the job works in college. You mm -hmm. know, it's just you're constantly on the grind, either recruiting or traveling, playing games and all the things that happen. But, you know, I, I would say that uh, just being more present and aware when you're not responsible or in charge of something, uh, whether it be a, a team, whether it be an organization, you know, you see things much, much differently. Uh, sometimes you have the feeling of isolation because, you know, in my world, you're always on a bus. You're always in a locker room. You're always in dialogue with the coaches that are on your staff, yeah. the players, et cetera. Uh, when all that kind of comes to a close, there's no warning. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, no, uh, there's nobody filling that void. So I think the conversations tend to be more with the people that you love. Uh, and with the kind of the pressure off, uh, 
um, really you see life differently. I'll give you a great example. Mm-hmm. You know, Halloween, Christmas, if you're in college basketball, uh, you have a practice, a game, either finishing a practice, finishing a game, or getting ready for the next. Right. Although you might be with family and friends over the holidays, mm-hmm. uh, your mind is always on, are the players okay? Are they going to come back? Inevitably, something happens. And as much as you try to celebrate what you should be celebrating with your own family, mm-hmm. I think what you find is you're always, at least I was, distracted in a way that kind of takes takes you away from the actual dinner that you're at or the place that you're at. Uh, when a year ago you have none of that, no responsibility, no next game, no practice, you're really able to be completely present. And uh, it was really a weird feeling. And it may I sound bet, strange, yeah. but I think you're more aware of, you know, if I get the opportunity to coach again, I don't have to be as distracted. It will be okay. I can mm-hmm. be even more present and enjoy it. By the way, that that will work as well. Right. So I think it's those little moments, single days that I think uh, reminded me a year ago of it doesn't have to always be all-consuming, mm-hmm. meaning my job. Now, would you say your wife was your biggest rock? I mean, probably throughout your, your whole marriage, but mm-hmm. especially that last year. For sure. And her and I have known each other since really ninth, 10th grade in high school, dated in high school, went to college together. Yeah. You know, we've been married for 29 years. To say she's seen it all would probably be an understatement, Yeah. especially in the world of college sports. She's seen the highs of highs and certainly the lows that can come with it as well. But uh, no doubt, and I, I think that we spent a lot more time and uh, it was good for us, and I think it was a reminder for me mm-hmm. uh, how important that uh, that relationship is, regardless of whether you're a coach or not. You talked about, you know, not being around basketball, and I'm sure, you know, helping young men, turning them into, into men is something that you're super passionate about. Obviously, mental health for young people is very important. What is your goal when you bring kids into your program to make sure that, you know, they're not just right physically, but also mentally. Well, right. You know, I, I think your responsibility uh, has always been, but maybe more so today. You know, today it's between social media and just uh, how information is exchanged in our, in our world. Uh, communication is different. It's quicker. It's more mm-hmm. direct. Uh, sometimes it's not as accurate. Right. Uh, I think you as the person and people that are in charge of a group of 18 to 22 year olds, you know, I think it's important that you, you're constantly aware of how they're doing, both on the court and off. Uh, you know, the staff that I have uh, is, you know, essential to our success. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just in your best attempt as one person, even though you're the head coach, communicate as much as you would like with everybody. Right. And you rely on each other. You know, we're a team in and of, its, of itself, our staff, and how we communicate with our players, with their support system, making sure that they're okay in the classroom, off the court, you know, when things are good, when things aren't good. On the weekend, when maybe right now we're not around them as much. Sure. Uh, I, I think it has to be constant dialogue and communication. And I think when you have that regular, good, informative communication, uh, I think that's when you can prevent you know, some deterioration from happening. You can see maybe problems mm-hmm. arising earlier and we can help solve them as opposed to 
gaps in communication when long stretches come, when you're not in touch with today's 18, 22-year-old, uh, it's amazing how quickly different things can happen to them. You know, not always bad, but I think one of the things that we're trying to do is just communicate directly and regularly as a coaching staff with our team to them. Is there maybe one or two players that kind of stand out to you that you've – this is a loaded question – but just that you've been able to kind of be a father figure for or be there for that really stand out to you where they were going through something and you guys really were able to form not just coach to player, but a friendship, mentor, mentorship that really made a difference in both of your guys' lives. You know, the one thing that you learn, and I learned it last year because a lot of former players, uh, players that I coached earlier in my tenor, tenure at Arizona, mm -hmm. because I was there for 12 years, right? right? big gap between the end and the beginning yeah and and also players that I coached here at Xavier the first time which was a 13 to 17 13 to 18 year period of mm -hmm. time um, hearing from them I think what you learn is it's not really that one person that sticks out maybe certain situations you want to help somebody through right but what you hope is that you've been able to impact and help and mentor and guide and teach really virtually everybody that you've been a part of. It isn't always fun and games. Like, I think the word mm -hmm. accountability uh, doesn't mean uh, being tough on somebody. Right. It's sometimes holding them to a standard that they need to be held to so that they can achieve more, that they can uh, become the best that they can be. And that type of communication isn't always warm and fuzzy, mm -hmm. but one of the things that I've found is sometimes those moments that you go through with a player, when they have an opportunity to grow themselves and look back on it, sometimes that was the most powerful learning or teaching moment between you and them as a coach player. Um, I had a young man at Arizona, one situation, his name was Ray Smith. Mm -hmm. Raised from Las Vegas, uh, coming out of high school. He was very much a late bloomer. So he wasn't an anointed high school McDonald's All-American. But uh, Ray was well on his way towards potentially being a high school McDonald's All-American through just an incredible 11th and 12th grade season. So, mm -hmm. you know, 17, 18 years old is when it really, I think, came to life for Ray. He had a, a really devastating injury towards ACL in an event before his senior year of high school. And he was committed to us at Arizona. We stuck with that commitment. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of young people can overcome ACL tears in right. today's world. So Ray sat out his senior year of high school, may have played at the very end, uh, rehabbed. We helped him rehab. Then in the summer before his freshman year, he got cleared to play for us as a true freshman in mm -hmm. the fall. And uh, towards ACL oh my. a second time. Uh, I think the second one was his other ACL. So if you can imagine, he wasn't able to become a McDonald's All-American. He still was able to come to Arizona. Missed his senior year of high school. Even though he was with us in his summer before his freshman year, he was more in the rehab phase versus the team phase. Mm -hmm. Then he, sa he suffers a second ACL tear, misses his entire freshman year and then in the next summer. And then finally after two ACLs, getting ready now to play for his first time in our like annual red-blue game, yeah. he tore his, uh, I think his first ACL a second time. So if you can imagine somebody oh that's 
between 17 and 18 years old, went through three consecutive ACL injuries and now three consecutive surgeries. I think one of the things in sports you learn is when somebody gets injured, they really go through a depressive part of mm -hmm. their life. Um, they're isolated. Yeah. Even in your best attempt to engage them and keep them with the team, they're still not able to be do everything that the team does. Right. And uh, it's some real dark moments. Somebody who's gone going through three of those, but you know, at the end of the day, Ray ended up. Keep in mind, he went through all this before he ever went to class a single day at Arizona. He graduated in four years. Wow. So he was able to stay with us, stay on full scholarship. We gave him the academic support. And to his credit, he fought all the way through to get his degree, which is very mm -hmm. meaningful. And then uh, right now, he's uh, an intern with the Utah Jazz. That's he's awesome. actually worked in uh, sports psychology uh, at Grand Canyon University. He's done some graduate work, mm -hmm. and uh, he's giving back. So, you know, there's a story that really isn't about the points scored or the championships right. won or, you know, the story, the feel-good story of, look, he's in the NBA today. But this is one that he could have left us a lot earlier, flunked out of school, not been able to finish what he started. But to see him, A, still involved in sports with a college degree, mm -hmm. helping young people, uh, I think in some ways is a story that for me, uh, I don't want to say that's what it's all about, but I think when these times happen, um, you know, I'm really proud of Ray, but I'm also proud of our program, myself, our staff, playing whatever role we could have played and did play in, in helping him. That's an amazing, motivational, inspirational story because like you said, when adversity hits, you can just go down. And mm -hmm. he had to go through it three times, stuck with it, and now he's giving back. It's a full circle moment that our full circle story that I think will help a lot of people that are watching this. Uh, last thing I'll ask is um, advice to a, to a young coach, someone that wants to get into this, thinking about it. Maybe they are in their first one to five years of it and are a GA or an assistant or a video coordinator. What, uh, what would be your biggest advice to somebody wanting to get into this profession? You know, I, I think it starts with uh, you have to have a real passion for the game of basketball. Like, you have to love the game mm -hmm. of basketball. It has, to, it has to be as much about the game because I think if the passion and the love for the sport itself is your starting point, then the players that play it are at the top of that list. Your reason for wanting to coach inevitably comes to – you know, the, the love for the competition, the love for developing young people, you know, to just the camaraderie and the ups and downs of being on a bus in a locker room after a win, after a loss, uh, seeing everything. But you have to have that passion. Uh, if you just get in it to get in it, I think like a lot of industries, uh, you'll, you'll pull up short. I don't know if you'll ever be as fulfilled. But I think in particular in today's world of sports, whatever sport that is, the starting point has to really be you have to really love it. You have to be passionate about the game itself. And that's where I was very lucky growing up in the house that I did, son of a high school coach mm -hmm. in a basketball family, a sports crazy area, Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I always loved the game. That's why I played the game. And right. when you love it, it's easier to work hard. And I think it's easier to get through those, those, those pockets of time that inevitably are going to strike. Mm -hmm. The injury to Ray Smith, uh, losing a job, you know, the ups and downs that come with what we do. But that passion is what I would say has to be your starting point. Awesome. I appreciate uh, you giving me your time today, Coach. Good luck this year as you Thank turn you. to Xavier. That's another episode of the Mental Game in the Book. We'll be back next week. 
And I really appreciate Coach Miller for being open and for his time. We recorded this podcast episode before the season tipped off. So, as you know, if you're a Cincinnati or Xavier fan, it is a big week with the Crosstown Shootout coming up this weekend. So, once again, thanks to Coach Miller for coming on the Mental Game. Next week, right back here on the Mental Game, we have another big guest. It is Browns legend Joe Thomas. And this is one of my favorite episodes because Thomas opens up a lot about his own mental health, the struggles he had up in Cleveland when they had 10 straight losing seasons when he was playing for the Browns. We talk about that and a lot more in an episode you will not want to miss. That's coming up next week, right back here on The Mental Game. 